Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in by another way is a thief and abandoned. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. All right, I need a working definition of sufficiency. Just enough. Anybody else? I beg your pardon? Barely passing is sufficient. Okay. Barely passing. That's a good one, Adam. That's really good. High five. Impressive. All right, let's dabble at abundant or abundance. What do you think abundant or abundance means? More than enough? Exceeds the minimum requirement. Okay. 110%? More than you only need, okay. Got some good ideas here. Let's agree, as we move through this morning, that abundant does not mean, we're not going to refer to abundant as meaning health, wealth, success. There are those out there who will stand in my position and tell you that abundant life looks like healthy, wealthy, and successful. Well, I'm not one of those. That kind of ideas and thinking leads to despair, deception, and depression when it doesn't materialize. I'm not rich, I'm not overly healthy, and I'm not a success by the world's definition, so therefore I must be a failure at living the abundant life, so I'm doing something wrong is our mentality. So we're going to agree this morning that abundance and abundant is not health, wealth, and success, okay? Just block that from your mind. I know somebody who works really hard on their phone message when you call, and it says, I can't take your call, but please leave your name and number and I'll get back to you. Have an abundant life. What does that mean? Have an abundant life. Something about it makes me want to hang up the phone and not leave a message, but I call this person a lot, so. Have an abundant life. Wikipedia defines abundant living 
like, you know, uh, Wikipedia is the go-to, you know, definition of all things important. Fullness of joy and strength for mind and body. If strength is a barometer of abundant living, I have not been living abundantly since I got home from Europe because I have not not hurt a single day in my life since I started in on my parents' house. I'm getting weaker by the day. Every load is a little harder. So I'm not living an abundant life based on Wikipedia. If sufficiency is enough and abundance is more than enough, neither one really fits the bill for fullness, in my mind. Fullness of joy and strength for mind, body, and soul. Neither one of those really fits fullness. For us this morning, we're going to talk about abundant life is when people have been changed by the power of Christ. They lead different lives than they did before. They have different outlooks and a different vision. And the measuring stick is different. <coughs> Hasn't been that long since we were tiptoeing through John, and we were really close to this passage. We talked about sheep. Remember the pictures of the sheep surrounding the bus? We were very close to this. We've talked about the sheep and the shepherd, and I expect you to remember that because, you know, you're supposed to remember what I say. Supposed to? Yeah, right? Uh-huh. I'm sure you go home and record it in some sort of diary so that you can pull it up at any point. Not. But I want to focus on just one verse. There's the, the other nine verses get us into this one verse. We need to remember that John is different than the other Gospels. The other Gospels are very linear in their telling of the story of Jesus. First this, then this, then this, then this. Very linearly laid out. John has a little different perspective. The best way I can explain it to you is to think about movies, because I like to watch movies, but movies. Think about the Civil War, the United States Civil War. We know it started at Fort Sumter. We know it ended at Appomattox Courthouse. We're all familiar with the names Grant, Lee, Davis, Lincoln. Now I'm going to read you a list of Civil War movies. Blue and Gray, Gone with the Wind, Glory, Gettysburg, The Red Badge of Courage, Friendly Persuasion, Rider of the Devil, and the miniseries, TV miniseries, North and South. All of them talk about the Civil War. All of them, in some way, reference some of those facts that we take into account with the Civil War. But they each one tell a different story in a different way, from a different perspective. The sweeping skirts of Terra Gone with the Wind, if you're not a movie aficionado. The sweeping skirts of Tara tell a completely different story than Gettysburg, where the blood runs ankle high. The pit of brother against brother in the miniseries North and South 
is a completely different animal than the pit of brother against brother in friendly persuasion. It's just a different way of telling the same story, and not one is right and the other one wrong. It's just from a different perspective. So John is from a different perspective. He's not telling the story of Jesus in a linear, born, grew, told some stories, walked around the lake, fished a little bit, and died. He's telling it more thematically. His focus is on the gift of the logos, L-O-G-O-S, logos, which is Greek for the word. The gift of the word, the life. And in this account that we read this morning, Jesus is talking in metaphors. Everybody knows what metaphors are. They are comparing two things without using like or as. You are on a roll this morning. Somebody give this boy a cookie. Because um, first he says he is the shepherd. And then he says he is the gate. Well, I'm not really that good at multitasking anymore, so I would be hard-pressed to be the gate and the shepherd. And then he says he's the way. And people don't understand it. They're like, wait a minute, I don't get it. And Jesus has three options, which I really identify with because I get this pushback a lot, and I understand the pushback. He's using big words, and he's using words that the average rank and file don't get. Now, we understand it because we're reading it in an English Bible, but if you read it in a Greek Bible, these are very unusual Greek words that are not in the average vocabulary, kind of like juxtaposition that I got in trouble for last week. So Jesus has three options here. He can drop it and change the subject. He can be politically correct. He can bow to the idea that you should only talk to the level of your audience. Or the second thing is, he can apologize and say, I'm really sorry you don't get this. It's not, it's not your fault that you don't get this, so let's talk about something else. Or he can dumb it down. Oh my goodness gracious me, I see the dumb it down every day in school. The high schoolers that I sub for operate on a level that I was expected to exceed in fourth grade. I don't mean to sound like an old person, but it's really true. We had more scholastically on the ball in fourth grade than most of the high schoolers I sub for, even in the accelerated classes. Maybe not the content, but the behavior and the expectation. Dumbing it down is not working. But Jesus does none of these things. He doubles down and goes on. How's that? I got a little uh, gambling term in there. He doubles down and he goes on. And he says, I am all of these things, people. It's just a metaphor. It's a figure of speech. You're trying to actually put me across the gate as the gate and stand in position as the shepherd, and I'm not really acting in those roles. I'm just 
telling you in a way that you can understand I'm making a metaphor. I came for this, and I came so you could have it abundantly. All of this to tell you, I came for this and so that you could have it in abundance. Not only am I here to offer forgiveness and restitution to the, to the creator of the universe, not only am I offering grace, which is what? Unearned favor. Grace is unearned favor. Not only am I offering grace and sufficiency, which we decided was enough, but abundance. I'm here to make sure you have more than enough. This is a difficult concept, and I'm not dumbing it down. I don't know how to dumb it down. I'm not that person. But I am asking you to totally change your perception on abundance. Here we're going. We're going back to that favorite little line I got going right now. Our postmodern, late Western Texas, in other words, our culture, the way we view things, the way we have been evolving to view things, but I'm going to add slightly Calvinistic into that. Boy, that's a big, heavy theological word. And all that means is we live in South Texas, and we cannot help but view life and the Bible through a little bit of a lens of all the Baptists and Pentecostals that we come in contact with. We can't turn on the TV without hearing it a little bit when we watch the Sunday morning TV uh, broadcasts of churches. We have all been exposed to it. But our postmodern, late Western, Texas, slightly Calvinistic style has our mindset sort of, you know, we have just that little hook in the back of our brain that says, if I name it, claim it. We have just that little mindset in the back of our mind that says, tell God what you want. Be specific. I want a 3,000 square foot house. And I want to make $80,000 a year. And if I make this list and I serve God right, he will bless me with what I've asked for because I've named it and claimed it. And that doesn't work. That's not what he's talking about here. Now, I alluded, if you've paid attention to my Facebook, and some of you don't aren't on Facebook, and that's okay, but I alluded this week that when I work on a sermon, God sort of dumps it in my lap in spades. <sighs> really, Lord, can we not just do this academically? Do I have to live it? Do I really have to sweat through it all the time? And I've been working on this one for three or four weeks, so he's had a lot of time to dump this on me. He's given me three what I think are really good examples of abundance and how we can view abundance without viewing it in the term of a name it, claim it. Now, I'm going to do what Jesus did. I'm going to give you examples. 
This is not the formula for abundance, people. This is not the name it, claim it, Robin style. This is just how God has shown me abundance and what abundance looks like. It may be different for you. But maybe through my examples, it can open your eyes to the possibility that there is abundance in your life where you didn't know it and that you are living an abundant life. Or maybe open your eyes to the possibility of there is an abundant life out there, I'm just not paying attention. So sufficiency is children. We need to procreate. We were put on this earth to go forth and multiply and subdue the earth. So we have children. And we love our children. Don't get me wrong. We love our children. We don't always like our children, but we love our children. And I never really wanted kids. I make no bones about that. I never really wanted children because I knew I would have to be the one who sacrificed. It wouldn't be about me anymore. It'd be about the kids. Did they have enough to eat? Did they have new clothes? Did they have what they needed? It was going to be a lot of work and a lot of missed sleep. But I had children anyway. And you know, the kids turned out to be all that. I can't imagine my life without my children. Even though I don't always like my children, I still can't imagine my life without my children. That's sufficiency. And then came grandchildren. Oh my gosh, I get the grandchildren thing. When little Izzy last night is screaming and kicking and wailing in her mama's arms, and I come walking into the Sprint store to save them because I finally got that call that said, Mom, we can't stand our kid, come get her. It happened. And I went barreling up to the Sprint store at 900 miles an hour, and I walked into the Sprint store, and Izzy, who was kicking and flailing in Dawn's arms, turned and saw me and went, that's abundance. That's abundance. It's fun. It's blessing. It's the reason you didn't kill your children a hundred times over. My second example has to do with this closing up of mom's house. Now, for those of you who have 18 siblings, I'm so jealous because it's just been me. I mean, I've had some great help along the way with the sales and stuff, but it's been ultimately my responsibility, even though it's not my stuff. I mean, when I tell you dad walked away and said deal with it, I mean dad walked away. I have touched every item in their home. I have touched it more than once. I have inventoried it, made decisions about it, decided if it was worth selling, selling for a lot, selling in an estate sale. I have decided whether I should try to market it at a high end. I have touched everything. And I have tried multiple avenues on a lot of things. I have loaded so many heavy things. I'm, this body was not built to load furniture. I have done it all. I have loaded my car so many times with different destinations. My stuff to mom's house, 
to include in the estate sale, mom stuff back to my house, mom stuff to the Goodwill, mom stuff to the restore. Oh. Stuff that Goodwill wouldn't take and I had to take someplace else. Piles out to the street for heavy trash pickups. Sufficiency is I'm getting it done. I am getting it done. When I walk in the house and I go, I'm never going to be done, I can look around and see that it is getting done where we started to where we are now. Sufficiency is the mental stamina that I've been graced with to deal with this. It's not easy to pick up parts of your childhood and decide, I'm not throwing away my childhood or my brother or that memory if I don't need that whatever it is. The mental stamina is sufficiency. And the physical stamina has come. If you were to read my prayer journal, first thing every day is always Izzy. Second thing is, Lord, I need physical strength for this journey. I fall into bed so exhausted and weary and sore, I can't even pet the dogs. And they lay there with their big eyes looking at me like, where's our hugs? Abundance came this week, or last week, one each week, in the form of someone who came alongside. A week ago, it was Richie. I asked him to pull a bag of garbage out of the garbage can for me. I don't know about anybody else having trouble with the suction at the bottom of the garbage can. You can't get that bag out. You know what I'm talking about. And you get to pull that bag, and then you got to suction it all the way up till it's way over your head. Well, it was 8 o'clock at night, and I was exhausted. I said, Richie, can you come pull this bag? And he pulled the bag, and I said, I need your opinion. He gave me his opinion, and he went back inside. 60 seconds later, he's back in the garage, and he says, Mom, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm reconstructing the shelves to make more room for storage for Mom and Dad stuff that they need, but, you know, we're not going to have a house. And he says, you look like you could need some help. And the next thing I know, he's got a hammer, and he's rebuilding shelves for me, and he's cracking weird Richie jokes. Exactly. We're giggling. You have not lived until you're standing in your garage with the garage door up and the neighbors are all out doing whatever it is and they can hear your son cackling at weird jokes as he beats things with a rubber mallet. And what would have taken me two or three days of evenings and afternoons, we finished in an hour and a half with him giggling. And then this week I showed up at mom's house and I was going to haul stuff in and out of Richie's car until I couldn't move again and the phone rang and my friend Cheryl called and she says, Robin, I got an hour, I'm coming over. She didn't say, can I come over? She said, I'm coming over and I'm bringing my little SUV and we're gonna fill it. And I said, okay, and she says, I'm going right by the ReStore. Do you have anything going to the ReStore? We packed that little car or that little SUV in an hour with more stuff than I thought was possible. We were using the Harry Potter method of, you know, stuffing it. And she hauled everything off to the restore, and we did it singing. That is abundance. Sufficiency was getting it done. Abundance. Didn't have the phone call out of the blue that said, hey, I'm a junk man, and I have nothing better to do, and I'd like to give you my time to come pick up all your junk, and you don't have to touch it. Abundance was a friend to come alongside and laugh and sing with.
its abundance. And then, because, you know, we're still not done with my trip, there's an example from my trip. See, God was already at work showing me abundance, just for y'all, way back in June. We were going to take a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee, and the boat broke down. And so we said, okay, no boat riding on the Sea of Galilee. I can live with that. And then the boat was fixed. It was the middle of the afternoon. It was hot. Have I mentioned it was hot a lot? It was hot. But we're going to ride the boat, and so we walk what seems like forever out to the boat, and we get on the boat, and we sit down, and we motor out into the water. And I, uh, there's a breeze blowing, and I'm like, this is awesome. I'm so glad we got to ride on the boat on the Sea of Galilee. And I was overcome with the emotion that Jesus had walked and talked and preached and fished and puked over the side on the Sea of Galilee and that I was there. If he was fully human, he had to get seasick at least once. At least once. Because in my mind, seasickness is a real thing. And I was just overcome, and I began to weep. All right, cry, tears running down my... Because I was there. And this has happened a couple other times in my life. When we were coming in to land in Hawaii, I burst into tears. And Rick said, what is wrong? And I said, we're landing in Hawaii. And he says, and you're crying? And I said, no, 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 we're landing in Hawaii, and I'm not 85 years old. You know, we're here in Hawaii. And I'm still young enough to enjoy it. And then I had another one of those little moments when we left the lock coming out of Amsterdam into the North Sea. I was like, I'm in Europe. So here I am with tears falling down my cheeks. And I'm like, God, this is wonderful. It doesn't get any better than floating around on the Sea of Galilee. And then this happens. notice that Jerry's wearing the captain's hat. She was made honorary captain and got to drive our boat around the Sea of Galilee. It doesn't get any better than this. We're singing Hebrew songs in the middle of the Sea of Galilee and dancing on a boat. We had the best time. None of us wanted to get off the boat. We wanted to do it again. That was abundance. I'd have been fine with a leisurely putt around the lake with the wind in my face. To me, that was already abundance. It couldn't get any better than that. But when we began to dance, it became remarkable. This is what God wants to do with us. What we think is abundance is really just sufficiency. 
and he wants to show us remarkable. Jesus came so that we could have abundant life. It's more than a positive outlook. It's more than the examples I gave you today of metaphors. And it's going to be different for you, except that he wants to give you more than you think it is. But it's not health, wealth, or success. Sufficient is enough for today. Abundance is when we have been changed by the power of Christ and we lead different lives with different outcomes. Rather than going home and feeling sorry for myself after the frantic loading of the car with Cheryl, I still went home and I ate, like, I'll get out. You have not suffered until you have loaded two SUVs full of books in one day. Big, heavy books. I still went home and I still stood in the hot shower and let the hot water beat on my really sore muscles and I still covered myself with the appropriate oil and I even took some Motrin. But sufficiency was knowing I wasn't alone. I mean, abundance was knowing I wasn't alone and that there had been somebody to step in and walk with me. That's what it was for me. Are we ignoring where God is pouring abundance into our life? Are we so busy, hung up on the health, wealth, and success that we ignore or overlook where he's really blessing us with all this abundance? Or when he does bless us, are we complaining because it's not the right color or the right size? I could have said, well... You don't drive a pickup, and my stuff would still be sitting in the house. Or are we rejecting it because we want to cling to the health, wealth, and success idea? That abundance can only be health, wealth, and success. Jesus says he came to give this gift to us. Are we going to accept it, open it? and enjoy it. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, open our eyes to where abundance is all around us, to where this abundant life that you have promised us is. Take us outside of our confines and our own little closed minds as to what abundance should look like. And rather let us bask and the abundance you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.